All right, welcome everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome everybody on social media. You know, today is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, and that's the day we remember Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And so let's go to John, the 12th chapter. John, the 12th chapter. I want to read this in John, the 12th chapter, and then I also want to look at it in Matthew's uh, uh, account, Matthew's account in Matthew 21. So you can turn to John 12 and Matthew 21. Let's read uh, about Jesus' triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. Let's read about that in John 12 first. Notice verse 12, John 12, 12 says this, The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, and of course that was the Passover feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, now that That'd be exciting news, wouldn't it, if Jesus was coming to Fenton? That, I mean, wouldn't that be something? You know, now I know, I know he's here. You know, I, I understand that. You, you understand. But, I mean, if he was actually coming, wouldn't that mean, you know, in, in, in his earthly ministry, would, we'd all be excited about that, wouldn't we? So they were all excited Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. And notice what they did in verse 13. They took branches of palm trees... And went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And of course, that's a prophecy from Zechariah, the ninth chapter that Jesus fulfilled. So that's John's, you know, when he wrote in on the, on the, on the cult. But uh, that's John's account. Now let's look at Matthew's account. Uh, we'll get a more detailed look at this triumphal entry, a more detailed look at this triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Uh, of course, this uh, was the Sunday uh, before Easter uh, when he wrote in there. So he had one week left on earth of his earthly ministry. And I tell you what, so much took place in the last week of his life that it beggars description. Uh, you know, we look at, you know, the rest of his life, three and a half year ministry, and, and we put emphasis on that. But I tell you what, a lot of things happened in the last week of his life here on earth before he was crucified and then raised from the dead, a lot of things happened, a lot of teaching that he did, and just a lot of things transpired. But this is where it, the last week of his life began with this triumphal entry. And, and so we'll get a more detailed account here in Matthew 21, verse 1. Now when uh, they drew near Jerusalem, they came to Beth Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. And again, this is Zechariah, the prophet, saying... Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and, and set, 
him, set Jesus on them, on, on the donkey, okay? So they made a, like a little saddle for him, you know, to ride on. And uh, notice verse 8, and a very great multitude. Now, remember, a multitude is a whole lot of people. If you just had a multitude, you'd have a whole lot of people. But they didn't just have a multitude. The Bible said they had not just a great multitude, but what? A very great multitude. So tens of thousands Tens and tens and tens of thousands of people from, from my, my study of it. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Uh, a very great multitude. I mean, just a vast number of people. Uh, a very great multitude. Now, notice they spread their clothes on the road. Now, notice what they did as Jesus was riding on the donkey into Jerusalem. They spread their clothes on the road. Now, I'll say more about that at the end of the message, but they spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees, and we saw from John's account it was palm trees, palm branches. And uh, others cut down branches from the, the trees and spread them on the road. Now, you'll want to note that because I'm going to come back and say something at the end that's very powerful here about why they did that. A very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down palm branches from trees and spread them on the road. Spread them out on the road, you know, as Jesus rode the, the donkey into Jerusalem, they spread their clothes and the palm branches on the road as, as Jesus on the donkey would ride Right on, on top of the, the clothes and the, the branches. And then in verse 9, Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. And you underline that, son of David. I'm going to say something about that at the end also. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem... All the city was moved. Now notice that all the city was moved. Think about that, a whole city. Jerusalem. The whole city was moved saying, who is this? Who is this? Who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. On Palm Sunday, some 2,000 years ago, a question was asked, Who is this? Who is this that enters Jerusalem and causes it to be moved? And it's interesting that word moved, we don't want to overlook it. It is a, a, it, it, it's a verb, at, which means action, and it means to rock. It means to vibrate. It means to shake like an earthquake. Now, I'm not saying there was an earthquake that took place. The Bible doesn't specifically say that. But I tell you what, that whole city was rocking and rolling. I mean, when Jesus came in there. I mean, it was, it was, it was vibrating. It was shaking. I mean, here comes the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that the whole city was moved. 
So think about that. 2,000 years ago, when Palm Sunday actually took place, they asked the question as Jesus came in there and the city's the whole city's moved, rocking and shaking. And they asked the question, who is this? You know, one's eternal destiny as to whether they go to heaven or hell hinges on the answer to this question. Hinges on the answer to this question, who is Jesus? The most important question that anyone will ever be asked and the most important question that anyone will have to answer. And this question will have to be answered by every person that's ever lived on the face of the earth. It has to be answered. And one's eternal destiny hangs upon the answer to the question. You know, if you look at Matthew, the 13th chapter... We're going to see how those in Jesus' hometown of Nazareth answered this question as to who is Jesus. Notice in Matthew 13, verse 54, when he had come into his own country, that's into Nazareth, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother Mary? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And other uh, gospel accounts say that they ran Jesus out of town to the brow of the hill to throw him over and kill him. Think of that. How did his hometown answer the question, who is Jesus? They saw him as no more than the carpenter's son. And they were offended at him. They answered the question wrong. Or wrongly, didn't they? Now if you look at Matthew, the 19th chapter, and the 16th verse, we see the story of the rich young ruler. Let's see how he answered the question, who is Jesus? Let's see if he gets the right answer. Now notice Matthew 19, verse 16. Now behold, one came and said to Jesus, good teacher. What good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good. No, no one is good but one and that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I've kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Now we understand from the rest of our study of the Bible that nobody in and of themselves is able to keep the Ten Commandments. 
You can see some cockiness and some pride in this young man. But he said, I've kept all these. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. Notice, he walked away from the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, much we can say about this, but one thing's for sure. Jesus was trying to get this young man to see that while this young man thought that he, that he had kept all the commandments, Jesus was trying to get this young man to see that he had not even kept the first commandment, which says you'll have no other gods before me. As this young man had put a God ahead of Almighty God and it was money. And he couldn't turn loose of his money because it was a God to him. Again, I've said this many times, nothing wrong with having money, but it's wrong when money has you. And we know that money had this young man because Jesus Christ himself asked this man, told this man to sell what he had, give, give it away, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And the young man couldn't do it. He had great possessions, but the great possessions had him. And Jesus was trying to get this young man to see that not only had he not kept these others like he thought he had, but he hadn't even kept the first commandment of, of, of not having any, any other gods before the Lord, you know. But with that being said, notice what this young man, notice his answer to the question, who is Jesus? In verse 16, he called Jesus good teacher. And Jesus, in verse 17, when he says, why do you call me good? No one is, no one is good but one that is God. You see, what, what the issue here is Jesus responded to that was this young man did not see Jesus as God. He saw Jesus only as a good teacher. The young man didn't answer the question correctly. And he walked away from Jesus. He walked away from eternal life. When you walk away from eternal life, all that is left for you is eternal hell. You see how important this question is. You must see Jesus more than just a good teacher. Now, was Je now let me ask you this. Was Jesus the carpenter's son? Yes, he was. Now, I mean, not his actual son. He was his stepson because Jesus was born of a virgin. You understand that. But, but, but Joseph, if you will, the carpenter, was his stepfather. You understand that. But still... You must see Jesus as more than just the carpenter's son. Was he the carpenter's son? Yes, but he's more than that. If you just see him as the carpenter's son, you've answered the question, who is Jesus, incorrectly. As it pertains to heaven and hell, you understand that. Now, was Jesus a good teacher? Yes, he was. The best. So yes, he's a good teacher, but as, as it pertains to heaven and hell... To just see him as a good teacher is the wrong answer to the question. You must see him more than just a good teacher. You must see him as very God in the flesh. To be saved. 
So we've had now two groups of people. One in his hometown, a whole bunch of people there. And now this rich young ruler, they've both got to answer to the question wrong. One saw him as a carpenter's son. One saw him as just a good teacher. And yes, those are correct answers. But as it pertains to heaven and hell, you've got to see him as more than just a carpenter's son. And more than just a good teacher. Now, if you will, go to Matthew 26 and let's see how Judas Iscariot answers the question. As to who is Jesus. You see, this is really the question of the Paso- the, uh, the question of uh, Palm Sunday. That might be a good title for this message. The question of Palm Sunday. So if we didn't have a title, now we do. The question of Palm Sunday. Or we could say Palm Sunday's question. And the question is, who is Jesus? Let's see how Judas Iscariot answers this question. I find this to be fascinating. And a lot of times this gets read right over and people don't, don't, don't see what I'm about to read to you. And it, it's, it's fascinating. Listen to this. Matthew 26 verse 20. This, is, this took place at what we would know as the Last Supper. During the last week of Jesus' earthly ministry. Here on, you know. And uh, I almost said his earthly ministry here on the earth. But you get. <laughs> but notice here how Judas is going to answer this question. Matthew 26, 20, at the Last Supper, when evening had come, Jesus sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them, underline that, each of them, if you're taking notes, each of them, so there were twelve disciples, Right? Each of them said to him, said to Jesus, Lord, is it I? Is it I that's going to betray you? You remember that at the Last Supper. But this is what gets overlooked. Each of them said to him, Lord, is it I? Underline that word, Lord. Circle it, highlight it, whatever you have to do. Because let's read on and you'll see how significant that is. Verse 23, he answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. Of course, we know that was Judas. Iscariot. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. What does that indicate? That Judas is going to go to hell. Now watch this, verse 25. Then Judas, who was betraying Jesus, answered and said... Now notice, the other 11 disciples called Jesus Lord. But Judas calls him Rabbi or Teacher. Is it I?
Jesus said to him, you have said it. Notice here, 11 of the disciples refer to Jesus as Lord. That's the right answer to the question, who is Jesus? As it pertains to heaven and hell, that's the right answer. They called him Lord. But Judas gave the wrong answer. As, at least as it pertains to the heaven and hell issue. He called him rabbi. He did not call him Lord. Thus you can see why he would ultimately betray the Lord Jesus Christ. He was not able, capable of calling Jesus Lord. He only saw him as a rabbi, which of course means teacher. Yes, Jesus was a rabbi, a teacher, as we said with the rich young ruler. That's how the rich young ruler saw him. Yes, Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. Yes, that's true. But, but as it pertains to the most important question of heaven and hell, you must see Jesus as more than just a rabbi. You must see him as Lord. And it's interesting, Romans 10 verse 9, Romans 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and that word Lord there in Romans 10 9 is the same Greek word that the 11 disciples were calling Jesus, Lord. Same Greek word, exact same word. What were those 11 disciples doing? They were Confessing Jesus as Lord. Notice, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see how important this question of who Jesus is? You can see how important that, that question is. And Judas answered wrong as it pertains to heaven and hell. But the 11 other disciples gave the right answer. They called Jesus Lord. They confessed him with their mouth. They believed in their heart. That was the right answer. Jesus is the Lord. You have to see him as more than Judas saw him, just a rabbi. Though he was a rabbi, he was more than that. He's Lord. You know, the most frightful lesson that one can learn from Judas is this. One can walk with Jesus as Judas did. One can know who Jesus is as Judas did. One can know Jesus as rabbi and call him rabbi as Judas did. And while one can walk with Jesus and know who Jesus is and even call him rabbi, it's possible to do all of those things, but yet not know Jesus as Lord and wind up going to hell. And that's what happened to Judas. He walked with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. 
He even served in his ministry. But he never saw him as Lord, just rabbi. Some wrong answers. We've seen the hometown crowd of Nazareth get the wrong answer. The rich young ruler got the wrong answer. Judas got the wrong answer. The 11 other disciples got the right answer. But notice Matthew 16, if you would. Verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist. Wrong answer. Some say Elijah. Wrong answer. Others, Jeremiah. Wrong answer. Are one of the prophets. Wrong answer. A lot of wrong answers. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that he is? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, dear friends, that's the right answer. I said, that's the right answer. I said, that's the right answer. I said, that's the right answer. Glory to God. Can you say amen to that? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You don't have to write this down, but you can or you don't have to look this up, but you can write it down. 1 John 5, 1, 1 John 5, 1 says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. See, Jesus asked them the salvation question. Whom do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the right answer. To the question. Jesus answered and said to him, to Peter, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and in the Greek he calls him a little rock right here. You are a little rock. And on this rock, then Jesus uses a different Greek word, which means a big, huge, massive rock. Like the rock of Gibraltar, you know, a big rock. Basically, he called Peter a little, a little rock, a little stone, a little pebble in comparison to this next rock that he talks about. It's like, you know, a big, massive rock. See, a lot of people think that the church that Jesus founded it on Peter, but he did not found it on Peter. Not at all. Not even close. You understand that? Because you see, 
A lot of, and the reason that happens is because people don't read the Greek, the original language of the New Testament, and they think that, that Peter here being, a, they think that the rock is the same when Jesus calls Peter a rock, and then says on this rock, they think that's the same thing. It isn't. Totally, totally different, totally different. Two, two different rocks. He calls Peter a little rock, but then Jesus says on this, Big rock. I'll just read it in English, put it in English the way the Greek reads. He says, Peter, you are a little rock, but on this big rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, what is that big rock? What is that big rock? Well, it's very simple. It's the revelation knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. It's the revelation knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. That is what the church is built upon. The revelation knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Glory to God. So Peter and the disciples were asked a question. Peter got the right answer. Because you see, the Heavenly Father revealed to Peter who Jesus was. And he said, you are the Christ. When he said Christ, that word Christ means anointed one. You are the anointed one. It also means the Messiah. And Peter saw Jesus as the anointed one, the anointed of Almighty God, the anointed of the Heavenly Father. And he saw him as the... Long-promised Messiah. And that was revealed to Peter by the Heavenly Father. And Peter says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then God, uh, then Peter said, uh, I'll get it right here in a minute. Then Jesus said to Peter, you're a little rock and you're blessed. How many of you know you're blessed? How many of you know you're blessed when you can see who Jesus is? Yes, you are. And so Peter was blessed because the Heavenly Father revealed to him who Jesus was. And Jesus says to Peter, you're a little rock, but on this big big rock of revelation knowledge of who Jesus is, he says, that is the thing that I'll build my church on and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Peter got the right answer, didn't he? You know, Peter a lot of times has talked about, you know, you know, that he kind of puts his foot in his mouth or he's quick to speak or, you know, these sorts of things, you know. But I tell you what, all that aside, he got the right answer to the most important question, didn't he? And he was a great man. I don't have this in my notes, but I just feel impressed to say it. Doubting Thomas. Remember him? And he's, he's called that because when Jesus, after Jesus was raised from the dead, he appeared to the disciples that first time, you know, when they were gathered together and Thomas wasn't there. And so then, then Thomas comes in later and they say, Hey, the Lord appeared to us. And he said, he said, I, I don't believe it. He said, unless I can put my finger into the palms of the scars, you know, in his, in his hands and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Remember that? But then I, I believe it was like eight days later, 
they're gathered together there again, you know, and uh, uh, Jesus appears just like he had done. I think it was eight days prior this time. Thomas is there. And Thomas looks at Jesus, sees him and he says, my Lord and my God. So, you know, Thomas a lot of times takes a bad rap. Because he wouldn't believe, and I understand, you know, he should have believed, but he didn't. But thank God, ultimately, he got, he got to, he got, he answered the question right, didn't he? My Lord and my God. He got the answer to the question right. Let us go back to Matthew, the 21st chapter. Back to the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, I told you I was going to say something to you about them spreading their clothes and the palm branches on the road. Well, look here at Matthew 21, verse 8. And a very great multitude... Spread their clothes on the road. We read that earlier. I want to read it again. Others cut down branches from the palm trees and spread them on the road. Think about that. Now think about what they're doing. They're taking their garments, you know, and they're laying them on the road for Jesus as he's riding on the donkey to pass over, to walk on top of. They're taking the palm branches and laying them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. I told you to note that also, son of David. They're calling him son of David. They're calling Jesus son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into, when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Now listen to this. An ancient custom was for people to make a carpet in a king's path for his royal procession. An ancient custom was for people to make a carpet. Have you ever heard of rolling out the red carpet? For a dignitary or a king or whatever. Well, that's what they were doing. An ancient custom was for people to make a carpet in a king's path for his royal procession. By laying down palm branches and by laying down their clothes before Jesus, as he rode the donkey into Jerusalem, the people were acknowledging Jesus as king. That's the right answer to the question, who is Jesus? On this Palm Sunday, will you recognize Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords by laying down your life, your heart, your will before him 
in absolute surrender. These people lay down their clothes and palm branches, but will you lay down your life, your heart, your will before Jesus in absolute surrender and recognize him as King of kings and Lord of lords? By calling Jesus Son of David, they were acknowledging him as the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord. To call Jesus Son of David, and I could give you a long explanation, but I won't just for the sake of today's message. When, when someone called him Son of David, it's interesting you remember the blind people? Some of the blind people would cry out, Son of David, when they refer to Jesus, have mercy on me. When they were calling him Son of David, they were acknowledging that he is the Christ, the Messiah. And those people would be healed by Jesus, were they not? It's interesting, the religious leaders who had their physical sight couldn't see who Jesus was. And they again and again answered the question, who is Jesus, wrongly. But the blind could see who he was. Something, isn't it? And Jesus said to those religious leaders, he said, if you do not believe that I am he, am who? The son of David, the descendant of King David, the one who would come and be Messiah. He said that if you do not believe that I am he, he said you would die in your sins. You see how important the answer to this question is. So when this crowd called Jesus son of David, they were acknowledging him as the Messiah, as the Christ, as the Lord. They had the right answer to the question. Will you acknowledge Jesus as Messiah, as the Christ, as the Lord? The question of Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago was, who is this? Who is this Jesus? And it's still the same question today. As I said, everyone must answer this question. Is he just the carpenter's son? Is he just a good teacher? Is he just a rabbi? Is he just a prophet from Nazareth of Galilee? Or is he the Christ, the Son of the living God? And I say, my answer to the question, who is Jesus? My answer is, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the virgin-born Son of the living God. That's my answer from my heart, that Jesus is the Christ, the virgin-born Son of the living God, the Messiah. The Son of God, but He's more even than the Son of God. He's God the Son. The second member of the Trinity who took on human form to die on a cross to save you and I from our sins and everyone who would believe upon Him. I say Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But here's this, and I'll close with this. To you... It really doesn't matter how I or anyone else answers the question. The important thing to you is, how do you answer the question? 
How do you answer the question? How do you on social media answer the question? I want to leave you by asking you the question of Palm Sunday that you must answer and your eternal destiny hinges on it. Who is Jesus Christ? Again, is he just the carpenter's son? Or is he the son of the living God? You must determine that. And I trust you'll answer it correctly. Amen. Stand with me if you would. On social media, if you've never answered that question, answer it now. And just cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I believe, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And if you do that with a repentant and believing heart and ask him to come into your heart, just as he rode into Jerusalem some 2,000 years ago, he'll come riding right into your heart. Amen. He'll save you from your sins. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. He'll make your life worth living in the meantime. So listen to me, just as laid, they laid down their clothes and they laid down their, their, the palm branches 2,000 years ago, lay down your life for Jesus. Give Him your heart. Receive Him as Savior. You'll be so glad you did. Well, thanks for joining us today. Have a great week and we'll see you. We'll see you. Wednesday night, we'll have a teaching for you, and then next Sunday be Easter Sunday. God bless you. Bye-bye.